a baseline for me of understanding how we change and then how we don't change would be three foundational realities. Number one, are we really truly converted? Number two, uh, the disciplines. Have we rearranged our lives around the practices God has given us as gifts to help shape and form us as his people? And then the third one, are there any strongholds, any lies or wounds that have given access to lies that have kept us stuck. So those are the big three, true conversion, spiritual disciplines, and strongholds. So let's just jump in, conversion. Uh, What conversion is, is it presupposes the idea that humans in our natural condition are disconnected from God as our source, and we're actually lacking the original divinely created center from which Adam and Eve in the garden lived, right? So in the garden, we lived in union with God. In fact, we were so one with God that we were naked and didn't even know it. Now, that's a really fascinating idea. If you remember when Moses met with the Lord on the top of the mountain for 40 days without eating or drinking anything, when he came down from the top of the mountain, his face was glowing so much that the people were overwhelmed and intimidated by him But Moses did not know. Moses did not know his face was glowing. Well, that's interesting. He was unaware of himself. And in the beginning, it seems like the glory of the Lord, the presence of the Lord, the focus in the garden was so God and the glory was so real that it's almost like the glory itself covered them and made them unaware of their flaws and imperfections or, well, we would say they they didn't know they were naked. So in the New Testament, Paul says that our spirits apart from Jesus, our spirits are dead and we're enemies of God. But once we turn to the Lord, our spirits become alive again. And our spirit is now in union with the Holy Spirit. And Christ himself transforms our inner nature. And Christianity is not us in our humanness attempting to follow certain rules. Rather, Christianity is the miracle of the Spirit of God putting the nature of Jesus within us uh, so that Paul says in Galatians 2.20 that it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. That's what conversion is. It's Christ coming to dwell within the heart and nature of the person. Ezekiel and Jeremiah uh, talk about in the Old Covenant, external laws written on tablets of stone, but the people broke the laws because Though their intention was good, they lacked, they were not the sort of people who would do the things God says. So in the new covenant, what's going to happen is he's going to remove their stony hearts and put in them responsive, tender hearts. He said he'll write his laws on their hearts, not on tablets of stone outside of them, but on hearts that love God. And the difference between the old and new covenant will be the location of the covenant. It's in their hearts, not outside of their hearts. And the outcome, the outcome of the old was they broke God's laws. They broke God's covenant. The outcome of the new covenant will be they will keep the faith. They will stay faithful to the Lord. Why? Because God himself will have transformed them into the sort of people who love God and love the things God loves. That's called conversion. For me, that happened at age 19, and it was a major, major change I went from growing up in a Christian worldview but resenting God to actually meeting God, surrendering to him, 
and experiencing a permanent sense that I'm forgiven and I belong to the Lord. And it was marked by a radical change of my own sense of the purpose of my life. The purpose of my life was no longer figure out how to get me happy. But it, it became then, how do I please this God that I'm now discovering that I know? So that's number one. If you can't change, it's like, are you, are you really converted? Have you been born again? Have you had that big yes to Jesus that actually makes pleasing Jesus your one thing in life? That makes knowing Jesus your one thing in life? Or are you just uh, adding Jesus to your list of, of priorities? I remember in India preaching a New Year's sermon in which I was calling the people to not add Jesus to the list of gods that they kept on their mantle, but to throw away all the rest of their gods and only have Jesus as their God. And uh, the translator did not translate that. Later, I, I, I went to him and I said, did you say what I said? And he said, no. I said, why not? And he said, you don't have to live here. But conversion is you throw away the other gods and there's a nature change. There's a priority change. So one reason that people can't grow or can't change in the Christian life is because they've gotten religion, not conversion. And those are very different things. That's checklist number one. Here's checklist number two, disciplines. What I mean by disciplines is what some people would call the means of grace. Did you know that if you read the Bible with a heart of faith, the Bible becomes a means of grace? If you go to church with a heart of faith, going to church becomes a means of grace. If you take communion with a heart of faith, then taking communion becomes a means of grace. But let's say you read the Bible without a heart of faith, just out of duty, no desire, no sincerity to grow. Is it a means of grace? Probably not. If say, let's say you go to church to keep up appearances. And you have no desire to be there. You actually resent being there. Is it going to be a means of grace for you? Probably not. Let's say you take communion, again, to keep up appearances or to do some sort of form of penance or because you think you're supposed to. But you're not actually doing it in trust in Jesus and an appreciation for who he is and what he's done for you. Is it going to be a means of grace for you? Probably not. The Puritans had a saying, the same sun that melts the ice hardens the clay. The same sun that melts the ice hardens the clay. The same true word from God when it lands on a hungry heart, boom, that heart finds life in his word. When it lands on a hardened, resistant, rebellious heart, that same word from God can offend that person, can make them upset, can actually drive them further from God. Because our motive, our heart's intention is deeply significant. So when I talk about spiritual disciplines or means of grace, these are tools that God has given us that if we pursue them with a genuine desire to know God, then the Holy Spirit takes those activities and puts a little something on them, puts his spirit on them, puts his whisper behind them so that in the sermon that we are listening to in order to grow, we don't just hear the human. We hear the Lord through the human. Let's just real quick talk about the idea of the difference between training versus trying. If you sat down and you said, I'm going to learn how, I'm going to play Beethoven, and you've never trained a day in your life, you've never played the piano, you don't know chords, you don't know scales, you don't know anything. All you know is that you really like listening to Beethoven and you really want to play the music. 
If you just try, you just sit down, you've invited a crowd, you're wearing a tuxedo, the lights go low, and you're sitting there and you're like, I love music, it's just going to work. It wouldn't work. Sitting down and trying your hardest, your absolute hardest to play Beethoven is not going to work. However, training where you show up with a skilled teacher and they break down the, the performance into its component parts and they teach you those simple parts by rote memorization and practice hours a day, eventually you would be able to master those skills when they're broken down into their elements and, and taken one at a time. You would be able to train until you knew how to do them. In other words, through discipline and training, you would become the kind of person that not only can play Beethoven, but that can play Beethoven naturally and even eventually easily. So when I say training versus trying, it's very important for us to understand that the Sermon on the Mount and some of the commands of Jesus are Beethoven level ethics. They are high level love. And so to expect, okay, well, I'm saved and I mean well, I'll be able to do it since I have the Spirit of God, is just silly. It, it's logical silly, but it's still silly. Yes, true conversion is essential. Yes, genuinely trying is important. But intelligent training is equally important. And the means of grace is us rearranging our life around practices that help train us so that following Jesus is possible. It's not us saving ourselves. It's us allowing our life to be rearranged as though Jesus has now moved in, because he has, to our home. And now that he's moved into our home, we're rearranging all the furniture and everything that we own according to his preferences and his lifestyle. If we rearrange our life, I think what we'll find is that following Jesus becomes possible. In fact, it even becomes fun. If we don't rearrange our life, I think we're going to find that following Jesus is impossible and not fun. Okay, so true conversion, a new heart. Disciplines, rearranging your life so that what was impossible becomes possible. And then the third one, you've rearranged your life, but there's areas where you're still stuck. Well, probably what's happening here is a stronghold. A stronghold is an area of your thinking where you're stuck. And you're stuck because you believe lies, right? Jesus famously said that if you continue in his word, if you continue in practicing his sayings, listening to and practicing his sayings, if you continue in that, then you're really his learners, his disciples. See, that's the whole idea of being a disciple is that we're following Jesus, learning from Jesus daily how to live as God intended. He's the skilled master we are apprenticing with. So he says, if you continue in my words, then you'll really be my learners. And then if you're really my learners, you'll know the truth. And then the truth will make you free. So if you're not free, there's some area where you don't believe the truth. Does that make sense? Are we following the progression? And so what I found is there are shaping experiences, sometimes wounding experiences, and the lie enters our heart through the wound. And in those areas where the wound has created an access for the lie, we need two things. Number one, we need comfort and healing for the wound, and we need truth to replace that lie. It's very important to God that we live free. In fact, it's so important to God that we live free 
Freedom is such a high priority to the Lord that he requires high levels of surrender and commitment on our part. Typically, the more we pull back from the Lord, it reveals high levels of us living in slavery. A stronghold is an area that's resistant to what God has to say. It's, you know, Paul puts it this way, that we destroy strongholds and every lofty argument that raises itself against the knowledge of God. And so a stronghold sets itself up as a form of defense mechanism against pain, but it roots us in some lie that limits our ability to love and live free. What inner healing ministries that are gospel-centered attempt to do is to simply apply the full freedom that Jesus purchased on the cross and in the resurrection. They apply the finished work of the cross to the heart and soul of the person. So the inner healing isn't actually accomplishing the freedom. The inner healing is simply lining the parts of us up with the gospel truth so that we can walk out in the freedom we actually have. It's the way I always say it is, you know, it's easier to take the Israelites out of slavery than it is to take all the slavery out of the Israelites. This is why I say, okay, are you truly converted? That's step one. Let's make sure that we actually are dealing with real Christians here. Step two, are you, have you radically rearranged your life around the practices and, and means of grace that Jesus has given? I mean, there's really three main disciplines, the word, the spirit, and the people of God. Those three, we need the people, the word, and the spirit of God. But let's say you've done that and you're still stuck in some area. It may be strongholds. Now, if this is where you're at, find some wise, godly, spirit-filled person who has experience in leading someone in inner healing prayer and schedule something because self-diagnosis is not smart. It's also not accurate or helpful. You're not the expert on you because you have so many blind spots. I am not the expert on me because I have so many blind spots. And then you say, well, it's just me and Jesus. You know, that's a typical Protestant arrogant thing. Confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. And you go, well, this isn't a sin issue. This is an area where I've been sinned against. Well, you know, it's fascinating how that works, isn't it? That in those areas we've been sinned against, those are the areas where that tend to produce sin in us. But the gospel is surely enough, surely enough, the same grace that can make it as though I've never sinned can surely make it as though I've never been sinned against. But here's the deal. You have to allow the Lord to forgive you. You have to repent of your sin and bring your sin under the blood. You have to allow the Lord to heal you, to allow the areas you've been sinned against to come under the blood. Okay, that's pretty much your thought for the day. I could say more. Disciplines of engagement are active spiritual disciplines. Disciplines of abstinence are passive disciplines. Maybe we'll do a talk on on that a different day. But your final thought is this. God's love is really the key for transformation. The thing that makes conversion so powerful, Paul says in Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I now live in this body, I live by faith in Jesus, the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. He ties his conversion and this new power source and this new identity all back to the simplicity of the fact that Jesus loved him and gave his life. They traded spaces. Why? Because he's loved. Or David says it this way, the Lord delivered me because he delighted in me. God's love is the key that makes our conversion real. 
God's love is what we're getting in touch with as we rearrange our life through the means of grace and the spiritual disciplines. And God's love is what we're lining up with and more fully receiving as we allow his truth to dismantle strongholds and bring us into greater freedom. God's love is really the source of transformation. Have a good day.